podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, the podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on the podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm very excited for you to meet them. And, uh, and this is a bit of a treat. Welcome to a very special episode of MANA, uh, broadcasting, or uh, I guess at least recording in front of a live uh, studio audience. Uh, I, so y'all can, let's just clap just to make sure. Hey, there we go. All right. All right. Uh, we're actually in a church basement uh, uh, here at St. Bartholomew Catholic Church, very near the beautiful shores of Lake Minnetonka here in Wyzetta, Minnesota. For those of you in the room, you know exactly where you are and why you're here. And for those tuning in from wherever you are, uh, we are recording this special episode of MANA at a men's club event here at St. Bart's in front of a room of around, oh, I don't know, three, 400 people. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's not, uh, but that's a good, it's a, it's a, you know what? It's a good, it's a good size group and it's a good looking group uh, who are uh, guys who are uh, kind of suckered into becoming followers of the podcast. I'm just kidding. Uh, but we will go to great lengths to increase our listenership. Um, but anyway, the reason man is here is to further celebrate ordinary men of extraordinary faith. Uh, and this, as someone would say, as, as I'm looking out at this very handsome crowd, uh, this is a target rich environment. Uh, fellows who gather regularly, uh, for fellowship, for faith, a little bit of food, and some fun. And you can't get more ordinary than that. Uh, and, that's, uh, and that's what man is all about, and, and yet you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, a room with more examples of extra, extraordinary faith. So anyway, for, t- for tonight's uh, special manna live episode, you're going to be hearing from not just one, but three manna men, uh, all of whom have had their own individual turn in the manna interview chair, and who are all here together tonight to share a little bit of their own stories and a lot of their own perspectives on everyday evangelization. So kind of a topic for us tonight. Um, and they're not the only man and men out there. I, we've had, we have uh, at least uh, one in the room and we've got one online. And, uh, and, and hopefully after tonight, we'll have hopefully 70 more that are gonna be lined up uh, to, t- to share their stories and share their great examples of extraordinary faith. Um, and a common theme, uh, for those that have been listening uh, to the show, a common theme that you've heard that all of our MANA interviews come back to, uh, again, you know, over and over, is the power of effective everyday evangelization by men. Uh, by men, among men, toward men, uh, and to everybody they encounter. Uh, you know, kind of that, that adage of being the only Bible that a lot of people are ever going to read. By living out their faith by example kind of like uh, walking the talk as, as, we, as, we've, uh, as we've shared. Uh, but there's also a lot of power in talking the walk, okay? Like flip that around a little bit and, and, be, and being comfortable in sharing with others the why behind our what, you know? Why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe, which we all know in an increasingly secularized world uh, can be challenging. So our three guests tonight will be helping us tackle that a meaty topic uh, specifically, and sharing some related aspects of their faith and what makes them so inspiring to me and uh, and very soon to all of you. So the first of our guests tonight appeared uh, on the kickoff episode of season five, uh, on on which uh, we talked, I'm sorry, season four, season four, on which we talked a lot about his unnerving proclivity to overachieve, okay? This guy drives us all crazy. 
because he's the kind of guy who gives all of us a bad name. You know, he's the one, he's involved in so many things, but then he leads all of the things that he's involved with. And I joked on his, uh, on his episode that he was the guy in college, you know, who led the group project uh, at St. John's while the rest of you Johnnies were like slacking off and knew that he was gonna like, you know, take up the slack. Uh, I know that's unfair for all you Johnnies out there, but. I know, of, I know of which you speak. Uh, and, uh, and anyway, he hasn't let up since, uh, including leading this very event here and leading the men's club. Uh, we also talked on his uh, episode, more importantly, about his faith-filled upbringing in Foley, Minnesota, with a mom and a dad that was so, who were so Christ-centered that we ended up having his dad on the podcast later in the same season. So uh, the apple did not fall far from the tree. Uh, you know him, you love him, and uh, you're probably all gonna have to pay dues to him at some point this year, because pizza ain't free, boys. Uh, so uh, let's give up for Jamie uh, Wojciechowski. Jamie. All right, our second guest tonight uh, is, uh, is actually a manna man uh, whose episode you haven't even heard yet, uh, because, uh, because it's gonna be the kickoff episode to season six, uh, which we're just starting to record now, um, but you definitely know him. He's an icon around here at St. Bart's and is someone we all know so well because he seems to know us so well. His generosity of self, of spirit, and a genuine interest in others, both as a deacon and as a career-long parole officer, uh, comes through as much on a park bench as it does from the pulpit. And yes, I worked on that park bench and pulpit thing all afternoon, just to kind of nail them. Thank you. Feel free to clap for that, boys. No, I'm just kidding. He's a public servant. He's a servant of the church and a true servant leader for all of us guys out there looking for examples on how to do it right. All the way from Poniatowski, Wisconsin. Yes, please welcome the first man-to-man from upcoming season six, Deacon Rick Watutski. All right, and finally, uh, our last introduced guest tonight was actually one of the very first MANA guests uh, we ever had, all the way back in season one. Uh, and he's technically uh, the most famous man we've interviewed on MANA, if you measure fame by all of the silly little things in life that this guy certainly doesn't measure it by. Um, but as we've all admired from him, we've admired him from afar, uh, in how he has leveraged his God-given gifts on the football field, which in his episode he explains were basically arrived at by a process of elimination because he was kind of bad at everything else. Um, so it's a, it's a very humble way of talking about it. Um, to accomplish even greater feats of strength and spirit off the field. Yes, he's an all-pro NFL center. Yes, he's a Super Bowl champion. Yes, he's a Minnesota Viking. Sorry, Deacon Rick. But even more, yes, he is an amazing husband uh, he's a uh, and father of eight. He's a great friend. He's a Catholic school founder. He's a tireless champion for pro-life and other issues that underpin our very faith. And one is one of the truest examples of Luke 12, 48. And I know you all know what that one is, but it's that the, to whom much is given, much is expected. So uh, my friend and soon to be yours, man and man, Matt Burke. Yay. All right, so gentlemen, thank you all for being here tonight. And is, is the feedback, is, is, that, uh, is, it, is it okay? You can hear it in the back okay? All right, 
So really, really uh, thank you all for being here. Thank, and thank you, you all in the room for indulging that really, really long introduction. Normally, not that long. Normally, we don't have three guests. But when you all sign up for your episodes, you'll get a really long introduction as well, okay? And you can play it for like your wife and your kids to say, see, I'm actually a good person. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna get started here. And again, our topic is all around everyday evangelization. And Jamie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you, kind of the leader of the band here. And I tease you, you know, I tease you because I love you um, and your overachieving self. Um, but, but evidenced by being a leader of this group, which is really a combination as we've talked, it's a combination of what you were born with, you were gifted with this, this desire um, and uh, an ability to lead. Uh, and this is a cool example of, of, of a combination of the leadership and the faith. And so let's start with you and, and when did you realize, or when did you put the two together? Because obviously you were one of those annoying, you know, younger people that just, you know, you're president of every club and whatever, but when did the faith, when did, when did the faith start kind of coming into that, kind of that equation for you? Oh boy. Um, let's see. I would say, you know, some, some college opportunities when, um, when I had the, the ability to go to Greece and in Italy to study abroad. And we had a great time, all the friends and doing things that you would do running around Italy and in Greece and, and the like. And there was this fun aspect of um, the trip. And then there was this, this serious aspect of the trip, which was uh, one of our instructors that went over on the trip uh, passed away. Not there, he had to go home but he passed away uh, once he was once back here. Um, so kind of jokingly, it was, well, who's, who else is on the trip that could help out? So yeah, that was me. Um, and it sort of thrust me into um, an ability to sort of bring uh, friendships and in this beautiful place together and find some ways that, that were kind of meaningful together and beginning to plan outings and, and do some things, you know, as a group. And it's just one example of one of the earliest, you know, kind of times when I just started to make some connections for a greater good mm -hmm. and, and, and make some things happen. And some of those characteristics may have carried on. Yeah. Does it feel any different for you? Because, I mean, literally, you're, whether it's in business with your family, obviously, but does, does, does leading within kind of the faith zone and helping guys like who are in this room, giving them opportunities to get together, to share in a safe space, does that feel, uh, and I don't mean for this to be a softball question, but I mean, does that feel any different? Does that animate you any differently than, you know, pulling off a great, you know, business deal or something like that? I don't know. I think I'm, um, <clears throat> I think we all have want to find purpose and purpose in what, what we do. And I think the, one of the things that I found in my personal life is that when you have this convergence between, it doesn't matter if I'm working on, you know, something for the men's club or if I'm working on a deal at work, um, it's who I'm impacting, how I'm impacting, and what is the good that I can bring of that. And one of the things I subscribe to is, is kind of the Opus Dei movement where, you know, Christ is, a part of all that I do, and he's given me those gifts and abilities to go um, contribute, and whether that's at work or home or play, mm -hmm. uh, in all things may God be glorified, and I think that I just sort of bring that into 
all that I do. Nice. And Jamie, uh, on the board officially as the first uh, laying down scripture. Okay. Mine was part of the intro. I get that one, but good job, Jamie. Good. All right. Well, and speaking of scripture, Deacon Rick, you know, since you are the official, I think as I'm looking around here, I don't see Father, uh, Father John here. I think you're the most official, like uh, formal church officer here. So you're representing so you could get into major trouble here if you Ooh, say anything wrong. Okay. Uh, and so I'm going to lay this one on you since Jamie already uh, cracked the seal in Scripture. Revelation 3, uh, 15 and 16 says, Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So the whole this whole idea, very harsh. Uh, Revelation can be kind of brutal. But uh, but that notion is a, is a harsh but true for a lot of people, a lot of guys. Uh, uh, that 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 maybe again aren't necessarily as comfortable standing up, you know, kind of uh, for the faith and, and and being out there, and so they kind of and I've been that. Hey, we're all I do this too, you know. You're all just sort of like trying to kind of kind of slip through the slip through the scenes and kind of live a more lukewarm life. So, so the question I wanted to kind of direct your way, you know, you're in your formal capacity here at at St. Bart's, you're interacting with a lot of families, you know, in a lot of these you know, um, like quasi-formal settings like a men's club, but other things, you know, celebrating sacraments. And I'm just wondering, you know, how, how, how do you see guys um, and how have you seen men sort of develop more confidence and more, you know, or, or, or what kinds of things are maybe they come to you with to say, you know, how do, I, how do I get better at this? Well, I think, first of all, I think it's hard for us to talk about faith. I think uh, it's hard to get into a conversation with a friend and go, oh, let's talk about Jesus and stuff. I think maybe we're not so wired or so comfortable with that. So what makes that easier? I think having fertile ground like this, where it's like, this is church. This is a place where it's safe to talk about it and actually safe to say some of the things. I think the problem for a lot of the guys that I encounter is that they're really good with the head stuff. You know, I know some guys that can quote scripture even better than James. You know, they can quote scripture. They know all these theologians and man, they can just name all this stuff out. And then you say, well, how do you feel about Jesus? How do you feel about the faith? And they kind of like don't have the words anymore for that because we don't talk like that. But in a fertile ground where you had that opening, those possibilities, I think then it's a lot easier. Yeah. And you mentioned the sacraments, Jeff. I'm, I'm just going to say, because I know some of you folks, I've been at weddings for your children. I've been at funerals for your wife or your mother. And I'm telling you, when those special moments happen, as joyful or as painful as they can be, those are opportunities where faith shines and a guy actually can talk. A guy can say, I miss my mom, but I know God has her with him and she's with dad. And I think that's that's where we see the faith blossom. And when you take that and then you add wood to it and burn it up, it keeps getting hard, higher and higher. Mm. So those are great moments. Yeah, no, amen. That's great. That's great. And you know, Matt, when we talk about you know some of the some of the obstacles for guys um, to to be to take advantage of those opportunities, um, you know, whether they're through a sacrament or through just even the most um, um, seemingly innocuous invitations that they might that that, that that happen to all of us, you know, throughout a day, and and there are all these little opportunities to step up and say something like, you know, even just like, oh, you know, I'm going to pray for that or Amen. But when we talk about all those barriers, you know, the rest of us, you know, and I'm going to speak for all of us here, guys. The rest of us in this room could basically kind of, you know, 
pretty easily slink back into anonymity if we ever felt like we like, you know, kind of touched the third rail. Whereas you, given your background and given your, you know, uh, your, you know, celebrity, I mean, you, you have a lot more at stake. Okay. People know you, they've tracked you and, uh, and, and super coincidentally, or maybe not, uh, for those of you that read, uh, today's daily readings, uh, the first reading was from the second book of Maccabees talked about how, talks about how, um, Eleazar, this Jewish, devout Jewish man, uh, would not eat pork, uh, even though the king was making him eat pork. Uh, and even his buddies were like, Hey dude, you can eat fake pork and we won't tell anybody and you'll, you'll, you'll get off. And he wouldn't do it. And he suffered the consequence, um, because he was so convicted by his faith. So he had a lot and he did lose a lot. He, and so, and Matt, I know you've never been threatened with being skinned to death like Eleazar was. Um, but I'm just, I'm wondering if, 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 you know, has the courage of your convictions ever got brought you to a place where you've felt like, you know, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put, you know, a little bit at risk here, you know, because in, as I said, you've got a little bit farther fall than the rest of us chumps that are going to go back, you know, to our kind of normal lives. And, and, and if so, you know, are, are there any moments that kind of, that stick out in your mind as one where you're like, yep, all right, I'm doing this. Well, first of all, I, I eat a lot of pork. Uh, <laughs> I had a hard time relating to Eleazar in the reading today. A guy was a, was a total badass. Uh, <laughs> actually, probably the first time badass have ever been said on the Mana podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, to your question, yeah, I guess, you know, you sort of get trained for it a little bit when you have a high profile job like I had. And so you kind of realize like, you know, I mean, I came to grips a long time ago that I'm not perfect. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. Um, and so, I mean, to your specific question, uh, yeah, I mean, when we won the Super Bowl, I, I, I guess I took a little bit of a stand. I didn't mean it to be so public, but I refused an invitation to the white house. And that was back when people didn't do that. You know, now everybody does or the last four years, everybody did it, but I did it before it was the in thing to do. <laughs> um, and it became a thing because of, uh, because of my position on, on abortion. And, uh, you know, you get thrown out there a little bit. I kind of was sort of in the 24 hour news cycle and, um, you know, doing national interviews and it's like, I'd go on Fox news. And I was like, well, that went pretty well. And then I went on CNN and I was like, well, that didn't go very well. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you can only do what you can do, right? Like what you feel called to do. And yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit nervous, but I mean, this is what I share as far as taking a stand for your faith and for your beliefs, you know, since that happened eight years ago, I've had 1 million people come up to me and thank me for doing that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I always say, well, you know, one, thank you. I'm glad. Thanks. Thank you for standing up for what you believe in, in your own way. And thanks for the encouragement. And I've never had anybody come up to me face to face and try to say anything derogatory. Now I'm kind of a big guy, you are a big guy. <laughs> not as big as Deacon Rick, but you know, I'm a big guy. <laughs> He's from Wisconsin. So I'm obviously a little smarter, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, that one up. But, I, but <laughs> I do think that there's that voice inside of us, you know, that that that, that the voice of fear, and I, I think that I think that that's the, that's the devil, you know. And you look out throughout the Bible. I don't know the Bible that well. I'm Catholic, but um, <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, you look you look all throughout the Bible, right? God didn't call the equipped; he he equipped the called, and uh, so it's just kind of a. It's a spiritual thing when you feel like is your time to say something or do something. Um, if you feel called to do that, if you feel the Holy Spirit, God will 
God will give you the strength and the ability, the words or whatever it is at that time to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, in the platform that, that you had and that you still have, you know, you talk about influence, you know, influencing millions and, and that is, that is so, it is a profound uh, type of power. So, so I, I so I want to talk about influence. I want to talk about uh, not famous influences necessarily, but like what influenced you guys uh, growing up? And, and Deacon Rick, I'm going to start with you. All of us here in the room have been so blessed with your homilies and, and, and how you relate scripture to, you know, your own upbringing, you know, uh, in Wisconsin on the farm with surrounded by such a faith-filled household. And so, so I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot to talk about other than your dad, because your dad (laughs) would be the, I know right there. See, it's going to be a little bit harder, but other than your dad, who were some of the early influences for you? Uh, you know, male influences for you that gave you sort of a, a vision of of good of in terms of living that 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 real confident life of faith. Look what you did, Jeff. First, you took out the guy, Dad. <laughs> then you took out the women, Sister Mary, I know, Minica, exactly. my mother. So now you've left me with other guys. That's right. Um, it's called manna, it, yeah, not okay, woman. Manna. <laughs> um, you know, one guy as a child that really influenced me similar to my father, is my brother-in-law, Leo. Leo was married to my uh, oldest sister, Nancy. Leo was a convert to Catholicism. Um, uh, just remember with Leo, going to church with him. When they'd come, they, they lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so they'd come down, Nancy and Leo, and the kids would come down, they'd stay on the farm, and we'd go to church with them. Uh, the first thing that always impressed me about Leo, and this was a very cheap uh, parish. I mean, uh, p- uh, people put nickels and dimes into the collection plate. This was in the 60s, and that was enough. Leo, I would watch him, and he would take out a $5 bill, which would be like one of you giving a $100 bill today in the collection plate. And he always did that, and I'd watch that and I'd go, wow, Leo, what's that all about? But, you know, he would do that. But it wasn't, that, that impressed me as a little boy, but what really impressed me is how he prayed before Mass. We always got to church probably 20, 25 minutes early. And, you know, people would say the rosary, say different prayers. Leo, this great convert who had been Lutheran, um, turned Catholic because of wanting to marry my sister. And that was required of him. He would have his head bowed down and he would have his hands folded. And he was praying with his whole body. And you could just say he wasn't just sending it in, mailing it in. There was just so much emotion there. And... He shared some stuff with me. He had been in World War II. He had served in the Navy. He was haunted by the fact that he thought he had made a mistake that might have cost some lives at one point. I don't think it did, but you know how things work on people. You know, he thought he should have reported something that he didn't, and something happened. So there was those things that weighed on him. But the bottom line thing is, Leo was one of the uh, the greatest men that I had the pleasure of knowing. You showed me what it meant to be a father to the children. He was tender. He could be emotional with his kids. He could be silly with his kids. He didn't have to always be the authority figure. So he just encapsulated what I think Jesus would be to us. Kind, loving, tender, compassionate, mm-hmm, that's cool. and faithful. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Who were some of the guys when you were growing up that you really you know, kind of noticed as, as being those examples that were going to help shape you? Uh, if I can't say my father, you know, I would say, um, and kind of like you, Deacon Rick, I mean, there's a lot of great women in my upbringing that mm-hmm. I think helped um, going to Catholic school and being taught by nuns and those things. But 
Uh, yeah, I went to Catholic school and I was an altar boy like everybody else was. And I just think, you know, being in the church, we, we had great priests uh, at the time. Um, and, you know, whether it was on for Sunday mass or daily mass or, you know, you hit the jackpot, you get pulled out of school to go serve a funeral. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean and, then, and then maybe you get a $5 bill afterwards. I mean, that's about as good Amen. as it got, but, but being around, you know, being around the priests, they were, they were, all three of them were very, um, very in tune with the young people. Hmm. I mean, not, not, you know, I mean, we'd have youth groups and, and things like that, but just, um, they were, they, they were joyful priests and, uh, and, and they were you know, fathers in, in, in every sense of the word. Um, and said so that that made a that made a lasting impression on me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Jamie, I spent uh, only a half hour with your dad, um, and I feel like in that half hour, I would have cited him as an influential guy to me growing up. So I can only imagine that this question, if you can't say your dad, is going to be hard for you to answer as well. But who are some of the guys for you growing up? I think I mentioned it on the the podcast, but the the communities that my dad would hang out with. Mm. Uh, growing up in small town, Minnesota, 1,600 people, <clears throat> when you see the same men show up for, um, I guess I call them the cronies. <laughs> um, you know, they're playing golf, they're, um, they're doing the booster club breakfasts, and they're just good men that are simple. They, um, they love their families, and they strive to, you know, to be, to be men of faith, and uh, I think just sort of watching that unfold in my youth was was helpful. And then, you know, as you 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 get older, you begin to pick out a few people that you can begin to emulate. Um, some are in my family, some are some are not in my family, but I think we can all look at our uh, influences and um, what I try to think about and in, in the challenge for all of us is who can we be an influence to? Uh, whether that's a coworker, whether that's um, someone that we're, we're working on something with, doing something with, um, you know, how can you be that person for somebody else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And, 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 and some of those people uh, are our own kids. And so Jamie and Matt, want, we both, all three of us, uh, or I have in common with each of you, are our kids. So Jamie, uh, our, uh, Jamie's uh, kids and, and Betsy and our kids, they went to school together. And then Matt, uh, this is years ago, um, and I was just reminded of it a couple days ago when I was in the Fort Myers airport. So if anybody's been to the Fort Myers airport, really late at night uh, of a bunch of Minnesotans trying to get back uh, to Minnesota from Florida, it's like Ellis Island, okay, back in the day. Like just these unwashed masses of people that are just sunburned and really wanna get home. And so this is years ago, we had all six Petersons, and from across the way I saw Matt and I said, "Oh my gosh, there's there's Matt and 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 the and the girls, our girls, including the girl Betsy, uh, was admiring Matt's family from across. So for folks that don't know, Matt and his wife have eight kids, and so they 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 were they were they really comprised most of the crowd at, at the gate. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but I tell you, our girls still today will talk about, and they were so scared to go talk. I'm like, go talk, let's go talk to them. Like, no, 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 no. But admiring Matt." And, and his wife and, and, the, and the family dynamic from across this very, very crowded gate is something that the girls still bring up. So the question for both of you guys is, is around kids and how important as a dad, um, you know, demonstrating your faith has been in raising kids, you know, and how kind of intentional it is for you as you go through your days or blessedly, does it just feel like it just sort of 
you know, just kind of comes out kind of by, by, by design. Matt, Matt, how on purpose are you in, in making sure that your kids are seeing that example from yeah, you? Well, let me just say, if you're impressed by my family at the airport, that must've been like our very best moment ever because <laughs> it's normally not that impressive. Um, no, I mean, I mean, very, very intentional about it. I mean, I think one, you know, I mean, everybody who has kids knows that that'll change your life forever. And that profounded, profoundly impacted me when our first child was born uh, on, a, on a lot of levels. But, you know, I don't know, having eight kids, I mean, that just means that, like, I'm totally overwhelmed at every moment of the li- of my life, um, which is exactly where God wants me to be and exactly where I need to be because I find myself pretty much always, you know, dependent on him. Um, so, so very... You know, I'm very intentional about it. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Um, but having, knowing that kids and knowing the impact that my father had on me and really his actions, he, we never, he wasn't a, he's not a talker per se, um, more of a, you know, quiet man of action. So knowing that, you know, remembering me seeing my dad and doing certain things, um, you know, like accountability is so important for us, right? And so I think when I think of groups like this, I think how important that accountability is for men playing on a football team. I mean, it's all about accountability. That's what, that's what allows you to do things that you could never do on your own. You know, you guys look back and say, I can't believe I could do those things. It wasn't me, but it was the fact that I had teammates around me helping me. Um, so, so my kids, you know, they, 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 they hold me accountable. I know that when I'm feeling sorry for myself or feeling selfish, you know, sometimes I'll catch myself and say, Hey, this is, it's not about you. You know, these eight people are watching you and, um, and you've got to be, you've got to be the example. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? Is be the example, model, model what you, you know, model what you want your kids to be. Mm-hmm. You sit down and talk to them all day. My kids don't listen to me; they never <laughs> do. I'm sure, yours don't either, for the most part. Um, especially my three teenage daughters. You know, I'm the dumbest guy in the world when I talk to them. Um, but just be, being that example is so important. Yeah, Jamie, what about you with the boys? How's it? How's it? I mean, it's always been part of your your family. How's it changed as they've gotten older and getting into kind of their own their independence, you know? I don't know, I'll let you know in, a, in five, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> How it worked out. <laughs> uh, you know, we try to make it, um, I love your comment, Matt. Um, you model it and you um, try to let them see you in an authentic way in, in doing it. And you hope that you're planting seeds that will either find themselves now or find themselves um, later. I had, um, I dropped my oldest off at uh, college this year, and you play all the dad scenarios of, did I do enough? Did I say enough? Should I have done more? Are they ready? Am I ready? And I, the answer to all of that was no, <laughs> but um, you, you place them in God's trust, and you trust that you did the right things for the right reasons, and, and you pray for them. I think my mom taught me that Prayer over your children is one of the most powerful forms of prayer that that there is, and I, I try to do that, and I pray for my boys, and uh, I hope that they can pick up a few things from me. Deacon Rick, you're gonna you're gonna bring us home here before we get to our our, uh, our very special fun segment, which I'll explain in just a little bit. But uh, not only uh, Deacon Rick, are you the resident sort of like church official on this panel here, um, but I would also say, and this is just even though Burke. Uh, uh, hasn't aged all that well. I think you're the oldest person on the panel. 
And so yeah, I think uh, that's a good, so, uh, <clears throat> good chance. Yeah. And so, so I'm going to put you on the spot here to get, to kick us off in talking about. We've had a lot of great guests on Mana, um, who are um, uh, uh, older than than me, uh, and that represent you know kind of a generation prior. And 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 there's been such great insights shared, and 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 um, memories of growing up in a time where maybe it was easier, you know, uh, or at least you didn't have there, there weren't as many. Uh, challenges to, to raising to raising kids and being a kid and growing up in the faith and so I'm just wondering you know from either your formal perch here as a deacon or just as a just as a as a as a dad and a husband and you know who raised your your own kids in this in this time what 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 is it harder for young people is it harder for you know young boys uh, in this day and age to be to to to, to be raised in the faith and 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 how uh, how, how, how have you, if it is harder, which I think it is not to be a leading question, how have you sort of kind of <laughs> combated some of those, those challenges that are unique to young people growing up in this day and age versus when you grew up? My opinion is yes, it is harder. And I think every generation always says, well, it was better back in my day. You know, the music was better and then the next generation comes and it changes. But I do think it's harder. I think... Uh, the social environment makes it harder. I think there's a lot of things stressed in this culture that are not real Christian, okay? I think we stress a lot on making money. I think we stress a lot on celebrity. Nothing against you, Matt, because you're an exception to the rule. But I think you're saying I'm not a celebrity. No, <laughs> <laughs> no you're a big celebrity, big celebrity, big celebrity. For big a Viking, guy. you're a big, big celebrity, guy. big guy. But I do, I do think that uh, our kids are inundated our sons are inundated with um, video games and movies that picture something different than the Christian ethic. I think that's what's being sold to them. Um, I was thinking about you, Matt, in terms of I think you're the exception rather than the rule of celebrities that talk about their faith. When I was growing up, you would hear people talk about their faith. Uh, you would hear them thank Jesus. I thank God. You know, you'd see award shows and you, you'd see people on sports figures making the sign of the cross. I mean, you saw more visible things. I don't see a lot of people doing that anymore. When I do see it, it excites me. I, I saw a teammate of yours. I think it was a teammate of yours. Uh, Chris Carter was on with Mike Max several years ago and he was talking about his faith. And I was going, this is happening on CCO. They're actually talking about Jesus Christ on a sports show. <laughs> Shocked the heck out of me. And I was so gratified. I went, well, thank you, Chris Carter. All of a sudden, I like the Vikings a heck of a lot more. <laughs> so, but I mean, who's our heroes? Who are these boys' heroes? It's the Avengers. It's, it, it's, it's uh, these other people. Where's Jesus? Where's the saints? I think that's an issue, and yeah, I'm going to knock the church now a little bit. The church has messed up in the last 20 years big time. Um, the clergy sex abuse thing was a sin not only against those victims, but it was a sin against the church and against our faith because it caused a lot of people to say, why should we listen to these people mm -hmm. if they're going to be doing this sin or propagating this sin? And that was a sin against God and against humanity, okay? Truly is. That being said, though, how do we combat that? I can tell you right now, I worked with four, for four priests, uh, Steve Lacan, uh, Michael Redding, Mike Van Sloan, and now John Clockman, 
four great priests who do encapsulate what Jesus is taught and are putting it there. And I know that the majority of clergy and the, uh, a large majority of faithful people are out there, but we do need to be outspoken. Mm-hmm. We do need to say it out loud. Because if we don't say it out loud, then the other voices are going to be what our kids hear. And they're going to hear, hey, it's really great to have a million bucks and have all this jewelry and have this expensive car and have all these women draped on us. That's what life is. That's what your goal should be. That's not the message we need to give them. So I can get really worked up on that one because I I think that I'm going to keep on going, Jeff, because you gave me the floor. The other thing I think is that I think we've gotten too scientific. I think now a lot of kids are being taught science is the God and God doesn't exist. I do see a dropping of faith. It's happening in Europe. It's happening here. Um, The nice thing about the Catholic Church is we've always welcomed science. We see that science and faith go together. They're not opposed to each other, but I think we're losing some of that message for our kids too. So now I'll shut up. Well, well, no, that's that's fantastic. And and if if we allowed more clapping on the show, we'd be clapping right now. Let's clap. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A lot more. Oh, okay. All right. So, hey, we are, uh, like, I, like I teased uh, about uh, five minutes ago, we're at the fun segment of the show. Now, on a normal MANA episode, as some of you know, uh, we ask the same three questions of every guest, okay? And we're not going to do that tonight because these guys have already answered those three questions. But the three questions are, if, you, uh, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out for the day, what would you do? He's got, you got a whole day with Jesus. What are you going to do with him? We've had some great answers to that. Second question is, if you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, who would you go with? And then the last question is, if you could give one piece of advice to a younger man about growing up and living a, a, a life of confident faith, what would it be? So we're not going to ask any of those questions tonight. The fun segment question for tonight, it's only one question, and you're all going to answer it, and none of them have heard this question. Normally, the guests know those questions in advance. These guys have never even heard this one. But it's kind of a layup, and it's very similar to that last question in the normal fun segment. So the question is, if you could give one piece of advice, not to a younger man, okay, but to an old guy, okay, to the people that you're looking at in this crowd, or to the people who are... Or, or the, oh. not older, older, older. You're young. Um, or the people who might be listening, um, what would that piece of advice be about not, not, not making sure that you grow up to be you know, a man of confident faith, but that you are a man of confident faith? What would be that, that one piece of advice that you'd give? Jamie, I'm gonna start with you. I think there's a, um you need the right balance of sort of religiosity and you know spiritual practice, and then just um, having your own relationship with with God, with what what that means to you. Uh, you can get wrapped around the axle about um, trying to do all the right. Th- our our faith is deep and a reservoir of years and years of. There are, are so many different religious practices and we have the sacraments and we have to do all of these things. And sometimes when when that gets a, you know, a little complex or you're hearing different messages, you can always come back to what is my relationship with God? No one else owns that for you. It's just yours. And you can find that in the ways that make sense to you in, in, in prayer 
or seeing God in others or seeing God in situations and how that's playing out in your life. Uh, no one will ever take that from you. And when this all gets busy, you know, falling back to it's me and you, Lord, and and how we've come together on this path and where we're going together. That's great. Awesome. Deacon Rick, what's your, uh, what's your piece of advice? Well, I'm not going to get real scriptural. I can quote a book and verse on this one, but you know the story of Jesus and the vineyard. And he said, you know, there was a guy who owned a vineyard and he called people to work in it. And some people came at nine o'clock and then other people came at 12 o'clock and other people came right before closing, but they all got paid the same wage. And some of them said, well, that's not fair. And Jesus said, you know, that's kind of up to my father to determine what to pay. You know, don't you worry about it. Just worry about yourself. What I would say to an older person is it's not too late. Mm. I think sometimes we look back and we go, oh, we should have done this. Oh, we should have done that. Oh, I could have lived my faith better. I've seen some um, people say, it's, oh, it's too late for me now. I should have done that when I was 20. I should have had more faith then. Now it's too late. I would say, no, you can start today. If you're 99 years old and you've decided that you're going to start doing something different with your faith than you did the 99 years before that, well, God bless you. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> it's never too late. And never give up. Remember the story of the vineyard and have faith in your God who loves you. That's awesome. All right, Matt Burke, uh, bring us home. No pressure, but this is going to be the last word right those here. Were, so. Those were two really good answers. Uh, I think this is a horrible question. Um, <laughs> I, really, I really do. I just think it's a bad question. And I've heard a lot of bad questions yeah, over this. Well, Maybe not as many as Coach. But, um, you know, one thing, I guess I would share this because this is uh, – when I retreat a few months ago, and this is one thing the priest told us, and it's been, uh, it, it hit home. You know, we, we think of time in, in three different periods, right? The past, the present, and the future. And most of us spend too much time enslaved by our past and anxious about our future, right? Life only happens and God only exists in the present moment. But there's actually a fourth time, and that's the moment you're going to die, you know, at the hour of our death. And it's the certainty of death that, illuminates life, you know, illuminates the present moment. And I think that helps us be there. And that's, like I said, that's the only place that we can really encounter God. And we don't, I mean, even, even as religious people, as God people, we probably don't remember an, often enough that we are going to die, you know, that all this is just, just temporal. Um, and so if we remember that, then I guess, you know, what I'm thinking about in the present moment is I need to pray more and I need to stop sinning. You know, it's about that simple. I mean, I like, I like simple, right? So, so uh, remember that you are going to die. I think that that's, uh, you know, everybody can, once you, you realize that, then you can figure out what you need to do. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, not the most uplifting advice in the world, but yeah, so remember that you did I'm a right. motivational speaker, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, hey, uh, uh, Matt and uh, Deacon Rick and Jamie, thank you so much for being here tonight. And thanks to all of you uh, for being here, uh, not just to listen to, you know, these guys talk, but just for being here. Uh, just the effort that you make to come together for fellowship, uh, for faith, is exactly uh, what we're talking about tonight. So my, my, my wish, and it's not advice, but my wish is that all of you are recognizing the divinity of even just showing up for some pizza and maybe a beer on a Tuesday night. And so with that, thank you all. Hey. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.